that. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 1. And we are having a water baptism, as Pastor William said, out in the parking lot. If you thought the church was getting a swimming pool or anything like that, uh, that's for people getting baptized. And it is not too late to sign up. And so if you're wondering, if you're praying about it, uh, how many know you don't need to pray about getting baptized in water? The Bible commands it. And so uh, you ought to do it, and it'll be a good thing, and there's still time. We have a drama team, so I'm sure there's some clothes back there uh, that you can wear. Psalms 1, we're going to go there in the Word of God. I want to minister a message that we're just inspired about on this recent trip uh, to West Australia. Pastor Mitchell, we had a meeting. Uh, I was there early. They had the leaders, the area leaders in Australia, and their international leaders gathered there. And uh, we have these leaders' meetings and get a chance to speak to these men. And Pastor Mitchell short shared a very interesting little story. Uh, and that was that uh, in 1981, the church in Perth had been planted in 1978. And in 1981, uh, Pastor Mitchell had felt God deal with him to leave the church in Prescott and to go to Perth. Because he saw the potential there and he wanted to accelerate the work. And so he went to Perth and that church just exploded in revival. They're, they're, they're having a move of God in an area of the world where there historically has not been a breakthrough revival. And uh, uh, many, many hundreds of young people are coming in, being converted. The church was located just about three blocks from the uh, ocean and so the whole ocean scene is raging there. They finally had to stop doing water baptisms because over there and back then the girls wouldn't wear tops. And, uh, and uh, it, it, was a bad, it was that kind of a scene. And in the middle of this revival, he was contacted by a man who said that he was a, uh, uh, a cult watch uh, 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 ministry and he had some questions for Pastor Mitchell because all these young people were coming into the potter's house over there. And, uh, and so he, this man, uh, you know, kind of identified himself as kind of like, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm, the, uh, I'm the guy who kind of keeps aware, aware of things, you know, and makes sure that your, uh, your doctrine is right. And, and, and so they sat down and this man began to ask all kinds of questions uh, about the, the, the church and the ministry, uh, the conversions, these people that come in and their life is radically changed and, and different and are these brainwashing te this techniques. Now this is, a, this is a Christian pastor and he is suspicious because his church is having breakthrough revival. People are getting off drugs, girls and guys are quit shacking up. Started living clean, living for God, and, and yet his questions were uh, 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 laced with doubt and suspicion. And, and, and so finally, uh, Pastor Mitchell said, he turned on this man and he said to him, let me ask you a few questions. How long have you been pastoring here in West Australia? The man said he had been there 20 years in his church. And he asked him, how many people do you have in your church? Well, you know, we've worked with so... No, no, I want to know how many people actually come on Sunday morning regularly to your church. He finally pinned him down and the man admitted that he had about 20 people that attend after 20 years. And so uh, he began to deal with this man that your problem is that you're barren. And now you're seeing fruitfulness and you have a hard time with that. 
And so well, rather than say, praise God, why don't you help me? Why don't you uh, uh, teach me some things and how to bear fruit? Instead, uh, I would rather stand back uh, and uh, position myself to be the, the gatekeeper of a, of a move of God in our nation. Uh, and uh, the real issue is that here's a man, 20 years, had seen nothing happen. And he was ha- having a hard time looking at a powerful revival. This was a 1981 that has swept through the land. 25 years later, is powering on, has planted 125 churches. But here's this man, he's looking at this, and he has a hard time with it because he's unfruitful. I want to talk to you this evening for a few minutes about the problem of barrenness and the call to fruitfulness. I want to preach a message called The Fruitful Life out of Psalms chapter 1. I want to talk to you tonight about being fruitful and some uh, important Contributors to that. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. But are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Father, I pray tonight, help us, O God, to be a fruitful bow. Let the blessing of God be upon this congregation and upon our lives. Let every person here bring forth fruit that shall stand. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's talk first of all about the hope of every believer, and that is that all of us tonight desire that our lives would make an impact and that we would be men and women of influence. Now the Bible has a word to describe this, and that is the word fruit. Fruit is uh, the idea of results, uh, and the Bible uses the imagery for a farmer who sows seed, uh, and that farmer is looking for fruit. He must have fruit. He cannot live without fruit. It is the imagery of a woman uh, bearing a child and a desire to bear children. Uh, and uh, the Bible teaches tonight that God is into fruit, uh, or that God is looking um, For results. There must be results. There must be impact or blessing that comes from our labor. Now, fruit can be uh, souls that are saved, uh, that if we're involved in a ministry, we want to see fruit or results. When we plant a church, we plant a church uh, in the hope uh, that there will be fruit that will come from that church. Can you say amen? We are looking for that. As I preached this morning, that there is a a valid concern uh, that something is bearing fruit. And when it is not bearing fruit, uh, there comes a point where you say enough is enough. This is true not just in terms of souls, uh, but this is true in the fruit of our character, the fruit of the Spirit, that God is looking for results. That when a man or woman gives their life to Jesus Christ, uh, that there ought to bear, that ought to bear result uh, within their character. How many know when you become a Christian, you ought to become a better person? Come on, is that too difficult to understand? That you ought to be more patient. merciful, kind, courteous, that as you serve God, uh, you change. You may not be perfect. We are far from perfection tonight. uh, But how many know we still shouldn't be uh, what we used to be? That once you get saved, there's fruit. You quit cussing. 
Amen. You treat people with respect. That your spirit is different. These are results. Uh, and Jesus wanted his disciples uh, to long for results or fruit in their life. John 15. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. We have to be careful that our Christianity does not become a religion of words. We have to guard ourselves that serving God is just talk and everybody's talking. Listen, beloved, God is looking for some results. God is looking for some fruit. I've had lots of people that know how to say lots of things, uh, but the issue before God is where is the fruit uh, and that it gives me hope this evening. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. We may have visitors in this service. You're not saved. You came here maybe because a loved one is getting baptized. Uh, I have good news for you. Uh, religion tonight and the gospel of Jesus Christ are totally different. We're not just saying, come to church, uh, turn over a new leaf, try your best to be a good person. I've got good news for you. Uh, you can turn your life over to Jesus Christ and He can change your life. He can make you a brand new person. Uh, you don't have to do drugs. You don't have to be bound by alcohol. You don't have to be lonely and miserable. Uh, Jesus Christ has the power to change your life. Not just religion, not just playing games, uh, but real results. The hope in these people that are getting baptized. Please understand, these people that are getting baptized aren't perfect. We're not baptizing them because we say that they have reached the heights of perfection. What we're saying is that God has worked a miracle in their life. And there's the hope that if they live for God, their life can be totally changed. The tragedy of a barren life. See, the problem, folks, is that many people do not understand the principle of fruit. They ignore this. They don't understand that they are sowing seeds and that their seeds are going to bring a harvest down the road. I picked this article up when I was down in West Australia. And the article is about four young men that the other night in Perth who got drunk. And after they got drunk, they decided that they were going to break into one of the local water parks and just play on the slides and in the swimming pools. These four drunk young men uh, went to the biggest slide uh, and uh, they jumped, uh, slid down the, into the pool, but they did not realize that they had emptied the pool that night uh, and it was, uh, it was solid concrete. Uh, and these four young men uh, raced down uh, and they landed. Uh, one broke his hip, another one broke his ankle. It took three ambulances to haul these guys away. They need to take them to St. Stupid Hospital. I read that article and I thought to myself, that's the way a lot of people live life, isn't it? They just launch themselves and they don't think about where they're going to end up. They don't bother to check. Uh, how many know tonight if you're sleeping around? You're messing around. You're just out trying to pick up. You're still playing the game. Uh, and you don't even realize that you're jumping down a, a slide and you don't know where you're going to land. You don't think about the consequences of, of your lifestyle, hooking up, perversion, uh, recreational sex. Uh, you're playing games with your life uh, and you don't understand that that's going to lead somewhere. That there's a barrenness. That there's a heartlessness and a tragedy and brokenness that come from this. People do this with money. They don't understand that there are consequences. You're going to live without a budget. 
You're not going to plan how you're going to spend your money. You, how many know you can get your money and it can burn a hole in your pocket? You don't know where it's gone. You make money, but yet you don't pay the bills. You're miserable. You're on the run from the bill collectors. You have a, a you know, a, a, you know, call, a, you know, a caller, caller ID, so you can screen all your calls because you're trying to stay one step ahead. The envelopes have gone from white to blue to pink to red to black. Maxing out credit cards. And you don't realize this is going to take you somewhere. Somebody said when your outgo is greater than your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Because people don't understand there's, there, there's consequences. Look at our text, verse 4. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff of which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. He is describing an unfruitful people. They are without roots or foundation in life. They are described as dry and unfruitful. And the Bible says they are unprepared for the judgment. They shall not stand in the judgment. Now understand the imagery that is there. Is that uh, the psalmist is using the whole concept of fruit. The righteous that are fruitful and the unrighteous that are barren. And it says they shall not stand in the judgment. And the judgment that it's referring to is the idea that they would uh, gather in the harvest uh, and before uh, that was brought out to be sold uh, in the marketplace, there were inspectors who inspected the fruit. And so it's talking about uh, somebody who's living life, they're doing their own thing, they're going to live however they want to, uh, and they don't recognize or appreciate that one day there's going to be an inspection uh, of their life. One day, uh, somebody is going to come along and they're going to judge the results of your life. They're going to look at how you've spent your life, what you've done, the impact or the influence of your life. uh, And the Bible says that the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. So you think tonight you can live however you want to. You can go wherever you want. You can act however you want. uh, But I want to tell you, friend, there's a God in heaven uh, who's going to examine and comment on your life. He said, well, it's my life. I'll do whatever I want to do. Absolutely, it's within your will to do that. Uh, I want to tell you, one day your life will be examined. And it will be measured. The fruit inspector is going to come. And he's going to look for results. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for the things that we did in this body in other words you can say well praise God I'm a Christian I'm not going to be judged I'm going to be saved by Calvary's cross the precious blood thank God for that knowing that the apostle still said uh, you're going to answer for how you lived your life there's going to be a question about results what did you do? Did you contend for fruitfulness or did you live your life irrespective of the consequences and the decisions that you made? Let's talk secondly about the power of associations. I'll make a statement here tonight and that is that you are who you hang around with. You want to know who you are tonight? Just simply ask yourself, who do I hang around with? This is one of the determining factors of life and fruitfulness. And I want to tell you tonight that people do not like it when you preach on stuff like this. What are you going to do, Pastor? Are you going to tell me who to hang around with? I don't have to tell you. The Bible tells you who to hang around with. 
You're trying to choose my friends. I'm not trying to choose your friends. The Bible's trying to choose your friends. The Bible says that he that walks with the wise is wise, uh, and the companion of fools will be destroyed. You are who you hang around with tonight. Uh, this has everything to do with the quality of your life. Um, it has to do whether or not you are going to re- you're going to re- have the results uh, that you want to have, and your life brings forth fruit. Verse one: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, this is a key component to a fruitful life, and it has everything to do, beloved, with who you choose to uh, fellowship with, and it has to do with everybody you choose not to fellowship with. Pastor Mitchell shared this interesting story in this meeting. He was talking about as a young pastor, he had, uh, was out pastoring about 1962, and he had been told by an older pastor that, you know, you need to be educated about all the differing religions and uh, things that are out there and and so when it comes up you have been well read you have checked the sources for yourself and so what he did is he went out and he bought all kinds of books uh, uh, on uh, uh, you know uh, Mormon uh, 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 Jehovah's Witness uh, uh, various other uh, books Hinduism Islam I mean we're talking about from the source not about the not Christian uh, perspectives but the actual books because he had came up with the idea, he had been told, you know, you need to have these things and you need to uh, uh, be prepared and you need to go into them so you can disprove them. And so uh, he has these books and uh, he, he says, you know, that, you know, he, he's a little uncomfortable for some reason with it, but, you know, this is what he'd been advised to do. And so he had been contacted by this couple. They had two sons. These two sons had been uh, saved. God had touched their life. Um, and, and they contacted him because their sons were exhibiting very, very bizarre behavior. And so he went over there to try to minister to them. He is a novice pastor. Uh, and these young men, the, he said it was some of the most bizarre, weird, twisted behavior that began to manifest in these boys. Uh, as, uh, and they could not figure out why. It happened after they had prayed a prayer of salvation. And uh, he began to try to get a handle on them. Um, and uh, as he began to talk to the parents, uh, he found out that these boys had a huge... Uh, bookshelf filled with occult material, astrology material, uh, and uh, all these things uh, in their home. uh, And immediately he made that association that, you know, there's something about their exposure and this association uh, that laid hold of these men, especially when they wanted to crowd to God. And he made the statement that he went home and he cleared his bookshelf. Of all of these things, these associations, and he felt in his own life an instant freedom. You need to be careful about associations. Jehovah's Witness will knock on your door, talk to you. Say, oh, we're going to have a Bible study. Come on. Don't do it. And they'll leave. Hey, let's just leave these books behind. It's always fascinated me. We have many new converts here that are getting baptized in water. Let me warn you about something. It's amazing how people get saved and all of a sudden everybody's interested in you that didn't give you a time of day before you got saved. All of a sudden, you're part of your buddies. uh, It's their mission in life to get you to backslide. I remember I had a psycho friend. I I guess I've had a lot of psycho friends over my life, you know. Chip Brady... He was, a, he was a, a, a big influence on my life and my brother's life. And, and he was just one of these crazy guys, you know, it's the fights and the police and 
shootouts at the school. And, uh, and uh, I remember the day that I told them that I got saved. Uh, I mean, he almost went in tears and began to plead with me. I'm not going to tell you what he used to call me, but he was like, uh, uh, you know, no. I mean, it was weird. This was just one of these uh, frivolous guys. Uh, and when I told him that I had given my life to Jesus and I wasn't going to do drugs anymore, I remember, I mean, th- there was a sincerity. There was an emotion. He wanted to connect with me on a personal level to get me to backslide because he really loved me and cared about me. And it's amazing. I want to warn you tonight. All of a sudden, your party friends are going to get a burden for you. It's always interested in me how rebels will not have the time of day for you until they rebel. And all of a sudden, now they want to be your best friend. I've seen guys that are as ugly as a mud fence. And all of a sudden, girls are interested in them. Uh, and they're giving them your phone number. Uh, and, uh, you know, why don't you call me? Amen. You thought you were wapple. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, I don't know what it is. I guess I'm looking pretty good. No, it's not, bro. It's a trap. We're talking about associations. Because they have powerful effect on your life. Um, the Bible says up three things very quickly. And that is it talks about the counsel of the ungodly. I want to tell you tonight that a fruitful life and an unfruitful life often is linked to who you let speak into your life. Who you let uh, minister to you. Where do you get your advice tonight? Where do you get uh, uh, direction and purpose? Who counsels you? Dear Abby? Listen, you say, well, yeah, you're just a preacher. You want people to listen to you. Hey, I'm not the only preacher in your life tonight. How many know the television preaches to you? MTV's preaching a message to you. Uh, there's a bigger church than this up 410. Uh, you just go right uh, up there almost to Ingram. Uh, it's called, it's a giant theater complex. Uh, and they've got 12 sermons going on right now. The issue is, who, where are you going to get counsel? Because who you listen to and who you let speak in your life is going to determine whether or not your life is fruitful or barren. The Bible says, nor stands in the way of sinners. You know, how many know we can't avoid sinners, nor should we? If you're going to live life and you're going to walk this path, you're going to deal with sinners. And we minister to them. You work alongside them. Many of the times they're loved ones and family members. And that is okay. That is the normal course of life. We're not to belong to a monastery tonight. We're not called to live out outside in some weird commune. We're called to live in this world and be salt and light in a lost world. But I want to tell you something tonight. There's a difference between encountering a sinner and standing in the way of sinners. And what it's referring to uh, is the idea that you're lingering at where sinners are. The idea is that you're no longer just moving through, uh, but you get to a point where there's a fascination and an interest in the world. You're now standing there lingering uh, uh, because uh, you really, really uh, are interested in the way these people live um, and what they do. Um, That is why Christians tonight have no business going to clubs uh, and drinking a Diet Coke uh, and just watching them. We had our marriage retreat the other day. And uh, it was very interesting, you know, in our marriage retreat and there on the dance floor of the... uh, uh, Radisson is they're having their Friday night band and their dance. I want to tell you, it looked like a, t- a whole another world. I looked at that and I said, I don't miss that. Pity the Christian that you're still lingering at the world. 
still interested, still just still wondering uh, how much fun they're having. You know, I don't make a statement here tonight, and I mean it with all my heart. If you're going to live for Jesus and be fruitful, you're going to have to make a decision about entertainment. You're going to have to make a decision about entertainment. Because you're going to stand in the way of sinners. And TV is worse today than it was 30 years ago. You're going to have to make decisions about that. You're going to have to decide if you're going to stand in the way of sinners. Like, uh, like uh, the Bible says uh, that Dinah just stopped and she beheld the daughters uh, of the land. Eve looking at the fruit. Lot looking at the plains of Sodom. There's something very dangerous uh, when you've allowed yourself to become fascinated and interested. Very sad, isn't it, today? Things are so bad that they try to defile you any way they can. They can't have a commercial without inserting some girl, without uh, trying to impose some image in your life. Uh, they don't respect you. They don't care about you. Internet pornography is devastating people's lives. We, we don't understand it. Uh, we don't understand the depths. Uh, Pastor Mitchell in, uh, in this meeting, a lot of this came out of this meeting that he had. I got, I'm sitting there writing notes and getting inspired he says he does not not a week goes by now where he doesn't get a call about somebody uh, a church leader somebody falling through internet pornography not a week goes by you're gonna have to make a decision about where you're going to stand and what you're going to allow your life to become and what you're going to gaze at and look at because it goes somewhere it leads to either a fruitful or a barren life Number three, sitting in the seat of the scornful. This is referring to a posture in life. The scornful are the mockers, the critics. The scornful are those who no longer try, but criticize those that do. The scornful are people that, uh, that, that there was a time in their life where they were contending for fruitfulness, but they got tired of contending and it's easier. How many know it's easier to be an armchair quarterback? It's easier to sit back and say, I have done it this way. I don't agree with that than it is to roll out of your seat and actually get out on the field and play. Actually have to put yourself in a position where you're actually contending for something. And it is easy, and the warning is, uh, listen, if you're going to be fruitful, don't allow yourself to sit on the sidelines. Don't allow yourself uh, to become someone who sits in the back row, and I'm speaking figuratively, those of you in the back row this evening, uh, and, and says, you know what, I'm not going to contend or strive anymore. I'm just going to sit back and mock and make fun. I knew, I knew a group of men, if I can speak plainly with you, I only got a couple more minutes, uh, who, it got to the point in their life where they would go to conferences. And their whole thing was to sit in the back and just crack jokes and make fun. It bears out. We're talking about fruit. We're talking about consequence tonight. If you're going to bear fruit, you're going to have to ask yourself about your associations. You know, when we leased our building to, to, um, uh, to uh, 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 this daycare group, parent-child, you know, there, our, our building 
had to have a phase one environmental study. In other words, somebody came in and they studied our building. They checked to see about lead in the paint. They checked for asbestos and different things. And before the city would sign a lease with us, we had to pass. Our building had to pass. They wanted to make sure there weren't any pollutants and anything that might endanger those that were going to occupy the building. I want to tell you something tonight, church. You need to ask yourself this. For our building to be useful... It had to pass an environmental study that if there were dangerous pollutants, our building would be slapped and they said this building is unusable because of this pollution. Let's ask ourselves this honest question tonight. If, what about your life? What if God were to do an environmental study of your life? Would it pass inspection? Here's a man or a woman that I can use. Or would he have to say, I can't use this person because of pollution? There's an unfruitfulness that comes. And here is God speaking to the righteous and the wicked. And he says that the, the righteous man, there's reasons not random. This isn't accidental. There are reasons. There's decisions that are being made. I want to close and talk about the possibility of God. God can make you fruitful tonight. Every person here, you have no idea of the impact your life can make. Man has incredible potential. You know that... Einstein had an IQ of 161. Sarah Winchester had an IQ of 191. This is the woman of the Winchester house. I've preached about her before. She was the heir to the Winchester fortune and she lost her mind and she took her brilliance. I mean, 191. And she used her brilliance to build this massive house, one of the largest houses in the world. She worked on it for like 40 years, night and day. And, you know, the architectural planning it demonstrates her brilliance. They say that the IQ potential is 2,000. Or that man is using less than 10% of his brain, and some of us even less than that. <laughs> but here we are, we're limited. Come on, how many admit we're limited? I hope I didn't offend you by saying that. But think about what we have. Got a cell phone in my in my in my office there that works most of the time, and uh, and uh, you know you get that and I can hold it, click, take a picture, press a button, and I send it to my wife across the country. Let her know that I'm thinking about her. This is uh, uh, you know it's incredible what man's potential can be. I flew in on Friday night on a on a 747. I got on in Sydney, Australia. This massive plane. Uh, takes off, rides for 14 hours, lands in Los Angeles. It's like, how did this thing even get in the air? They have a capability now where they land planes with instruments. One time I flew into Houston, Texas, and it was covered in fog, and I've traveled enough to know when you can look for certain signs many times where they direct you or they put you in a holding pattern. And as we're getting lower and lower, I'm waiting to break through the cloud cover onto the, uh, you know, and then you begin to see the city. And we're getting lower and lower, and while we're in the clouds, the plane lands, uh, you can't even see. 
I leaned over, there was a pilot sitting nearby, and he began to explain that this is done completely by computer. You don't even need a pilot to land the plane. That, that is man's intelligence. Less than 10% of his brain. And yet the things that we enjoy, it is a mind blower. I say that to say this. What potential do you have in your life tonight that God could tap into if you would make yourself available to God? Verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever He does shall prosper. I mean, that verse of Scripture is encouraging and convicting at the same time. Because it forces us to ask ourselves a very, very difficult question. And that is, could I be more than what I am? Could I be more than what I am? And is the reason I'm not that simply because I will not allow God control of my life? That is a heavy thought. That I could be more. That I could sit there and know that, you know what, if I really got serious, my life could bear so much more fruit. My, my the impact of my life could be so much greater if I simply chose to, to press into some things and deal with some things. Or am I unwilling to do that? The righteous, the Bible says delights in the law of his Lord. You know what that means? It means that the righteous person, the fruitful man, loves the will of God for his life. He delights in it. It's not, you know, you know, well, you know, God, what are you going to make me do now, man? It's so hard to live for Jesus. The Lord, give me that cross, Lord. Well, you know, if you want me to go to the valley, if you want me to, I'll do it. You know, and, and, and the whole is just this, you know, I'll do the will of God. Listen, this fruitful man loves God's will for his life. He delights in it. I mean, there's an actual joy in doing the things of God. There is, a, there is an excitement about it. To, versus a, it's hard or okay, you know. Listen, beloved, you can look at it that way. How much better to do the will of God and to love it to do the will of God? This man gets a hold of his thoughts. The Bible says he meditates day and night on God's law. This guy has done something that's internal. It's not just give me the rules and I'll follow them, but there's something in him on the inside that says, I am serious. I'm serious about what God can do. I'm sitting there. I close right here Thursday night. Here it is, this glorious conference, the thrust of evangelism. Hundreds of young men and women there that want to do something for God. You know what really blessed me was the music groups that played every night uh, from all around were laced with, with uh, uh, these teenagers that are on fire for God. God, give us teenage music groups that have a testimony and a passion. I'm sitting there Thursday night. I'm looking at all this. Pastor Mitchell sitting on the platform. 75-year-old man now. And I'm looking at the, this, this, this conference just represents one little sliver of our fellowship. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. 
beyond imagination and, and all through the week in his sermons, he kept preaching, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I didn't know this was going to happen, I didn't plan this. But I want to tell you something, beloved. There's something there that challenges us. I want my life to count. And if I could just be serious with God, who could be touched? How far will the impact of my life go? Let's bow our heads. No one moving around just for a minute. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. We're waiting on God in this service. I want to ask our visitors tonight, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Not do you go to church and you, you know, uh, have a religious identity. I'm talking about something that goes way beyond that. Jesus loves you and He has the power to change your life. Real Christianity brings results. People's lives change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. You're today and you say, Pastor Ruby, I'm not right with God. I need forgiveness of sins. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you pray for me? If that is you, I want you to lift your hand right now while our heads are bowed and say, Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I need prayer. Lift up your hand right now. All around this building, you're not a Christian tonight. You need forgiveness of sin. You need God's mercy on your life. Would you respond? God bless you, brother. You can put it down. Who else? Lift up your hand. Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need Jesus. Real Christianity is results. Change lives. Last thing we need is more religion. We need God to reach down and change us. And He can do that. Is there anybody else? Pray for me. Maybe you're a backslider tonight. You're not right with God. God's dealing with you. So I want to get my heart right, Pastor. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Lift up your hand all around this building. Slip it up. All around this building. Before we move on, I want to give any person here an opportunity to come to Christ. Lift up your hand. Praise God. All right, my brother, I want to pray for you right now, sir. Would you come? I want to pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Just make your way up. There'll be an altar worker to come. While our heads are bowed then, and we're before God this evening, I want to speak to church. I want to challenge you tonight. Say, Lord, I want my life to be fruitful. How you doing? Praise God. Daniel's going to talk to you. While our heads are bowed, fruitful life. Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want my life to have impact. You might be sitting there tonight thinking, you know, I'm just going to come to church. I'm not trying to be a high flyer. You know, it's not about being a high flyer, but there's a question we must ask ourselves tonight, and that is, God, am I being all that you want me to be? God, I want to see results from my life in terms of my character and the terms of the influence that I bear on others. Fruit. And the psalm says, listen, that isn't just accidental. That's not random. It has to do with decisions. The unfruitful say, I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to live with respect to how things are going to turn out. The fruitful man says, I'm going to live a restricted life. I'm going to guard my associations. I'm going to be careful. Because God, I want more than anything else, fruit to come from me. The question before us tonight is, is there anything else I can do to be more fruitful than I am? Let's stand all around this building. I'm going to open these altars tonight for a time of prayer. I believe the Spirit of God is in this place tonight to deal with us. Lord, I want to make him...